if I were to say that a habit and routine is the most important is make a ha- make it a habit and routine of shifting a pattern that you have in your life each and every day. And you can still do cold showers. I still do. You can still not do no phone. I will always do that now. Um, but when I journal in the morning, the question that I, I got asked by myself is today I will focus on shifting my pattern of blank to blank. Welcome back everyone to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, a space designed to help redefine what it means to be a man in the modern era. Our hope with this podcast is to support men on their journey towards becoming the best possible version of themselves by providing insight, support, perspective, but most importantly, a safe space to live authentically with a community of conscious kings. Every week we will take a deep dive into topics such as toxic masculinity, men's mental health, personal relationships, conscious leadership, and powerful guest appearances. Men, we see you, we hear you, and we are standing tall beside you every single day in the arena of misunderstood masculinity. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast. It's the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I'm your co-host, CK, aka Coach Kyle. And it's your boy, Anwar Ahmed, aka A-squared. And today we have a different type of spin on our episode. We're going to talk about habits and routines. And I know we've technically talked about it before, but what we want to do today is kind of give a bit of context on what's worked for us. So today is going to be very much what routine did we start? Why did we start it? Did it suck at first? Because I think a lot of times routines and habits, they just, they feel kind of motivating and then they feel kind of not motivating. It happens real fast. So we're going to talk about our journey with that in the last year or so and what's worked for us. We want to share some of that insight with you. But before we do that, you always know what time it is. It's mood check. Hey, yo, Coach Kyle. What's going on, my man? <laughs> Start us off. What's going on? Let's go. Today? Mood check, mood check. Reminder for everyone listening. What's your mood? Give us a word. Give yourself a word. Give yourself a moment to take that time. What's my mood? My mood is... My mood is weird this morning. My mood is weird this morning. I woke up, I was ready. I got a cold shower in. I uh, got a regular shower in. I did both and got coffee. I, I, everything should be good. I should feel great. And I don't. And it's really weird. It's, it's odd. I feel like uh, a little tenseness in my mind, in my body. And I haven't taken some time to reflect on it. I was just kind of wake up, get ready for this episode, get ready for this recording. And so I think my mood would be um, confused as to why I feel this way and a little tense, to be honest. Just in the, That would be my mood for the day. Just, just a little tense. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's, um, it's, you don't really notice, you don't really notice how, um, every year I try to, you know, I don't think seasons should play it. Like, you know, they should play as big of a role as they do in our lives, but they do, you know, the winter is different, man. The winter is a different kind of mental preparation, execution, whatever you want to call it. I just think that like, you almost have to you need more energy or more motivation for what you're doing when the, when the winter gloom hits, you know, it's like, you feel it, you feel like that extra little, 
nudge that the sun gives you or summer gives you or fall gives you, it's not there. And you're solely relying on your why, you know, or mm-hmm. your, or your, what you're like, why are you doing what you're doing? You know? And so when like, like the last couple of days I've been, you know, you, you work, you get, I'm getting up pretty early, you know, it's pretty dark. Mm-hmm. I get up, start banging away at my keyboard. I look out my window and it's dark again. And like, I don't <laughs> actually know. I'm like, how did, so I never actually saw the day, you know, like there was no, and then you do that four or five days in a row. It starts feeling like the groundhog day, you know, it starts feeling really, really, um, dark. And it just like, you just, you just feel like you're in a grind where sometimes when you're grinding and it's summer, you don't feel like you're grinding because the weather is nice. People are mm-hmm. up and about like, so you're distracted by, you know, and you're like, Oh, I'm working really hard, but it's cool. Like it's sunny out. I got a couple extra hours here, here. People are doing things. Uh, maybe your phone is ringing more often than not. Cause people are like putting together events and parties and things like that. Um, but the winter is just different, man. It's just a different kind of grind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Good point. I definitely think that I, I agree. A seasonal depression, I don't necessarily feel like I've aligned with. And then for some reason this year, it was like, hey, by the way, I'm real. And I was like, whoa, whoa, can, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can we relax? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is very different. So it could be feeling a bit of that um, and a little bit of like, okay, I want to make sure that there's a lot of value in this episode. So I'm feeling a bit of that, uh, that pressure that comes with, you know, podcasting sometimes is as how do I perform to the best of my ability? So uh, it's a very interesting space, uh, something that I know will slowly dissipate as we continue talking because uh, conversational fuel is real conversational fuel. I love it. So that's kind of my mood. It's a little tense. It's a little, uh, um, a little confused, but that's it. That's all. So it's simple and uh, we'll figure it out through this podcast. Uh, how's your mood, Poppy? I'm doing, you know, I have the last, I would say 24 hours wasn't feeling so well. Um, so I'm, this is the first, uh, the, kind of like the first day of like getting up and like actually trying to do something. Yesterday, I really just tried to get as much sleep as possible, as enough water in me as possible. I just was really feeling a bit um, out of place, a little bit of mm-hmm. a headache, I would say, a little bit of like body soreness. Um, so I'm feeling better today. Um, I'm hoping to get back to those regimes and my, my regimen and my, my habits today, and hopefully can get, get into next week. It's a busy time for me right now in terms of kind of work. So not, a, not an ideal time to be feeling, you know, sluggish or fatigue. Um, you know, I got maybe like a couple hard weeks here to, you know, have the Christmas break to be as lethargic and as, 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 as ill as I need to be right now is not the time. This mm. is like the playoffs for recruitment. I feel like, so I gotta, I gotta find a way to fight through the pain, but um shout out to all the people that i all 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 the friends that i i talked to that um remind me how important the mood check is um i've been talking to friends and stuff on the phone and people have have kind of made comments of like hey man you're not gonna ask me what my mood check is or you're not gonna you know you're not gonna see say like you know how i'm doing and stuff like that and i get a i get a good kick out of that guys i I really do enjoy that i think it's super cool because that is the ripple effect that we try to hope to create with this podcast is you know that constant reminder of checking in on each other's mood and i've noticed that those mood checks aren't the superficial mood check that you know you usually get like i'm doing good it's like i can tell they want to elaborate more on how they feel which is Mm -hmm also what we're trying to do with this space too so um shout out to all those people who you know i get a good kick one it it tells me that you guys are listening and two um not that you're only listening but you're you're trying to implement some of the stuff that you hear on this podcast so that's that's really cool too um Mm -hmm. but in summary overall i'm feeling low energy um Mm -hmm. 
low energy. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the word low energy trying to, um, and, and I'm not like, I'm not like sick. Like I feel like I'm bedridden, but I just like, I don't, the alarm clock goes off and there's just nothing there, but you just did eight hours of sleep, you know? And that's like, that's, there's something wrong there. Right. So, um, trying to figure out what that is and hopefully I can figure it out before this week starts, but mm. that's how I feel. Beautiful. I appreciate your reflection and something that I like to add on to the friends talking about Muchek is that, uh, you know, sometimes Muchek is tough for us too. Like we do this often and we are always having this conversation and we are always checking in on mood. And even still, it, the language seems to evade us sometimes. And it just feels difficult to come up with a word or a phrase or something. It's just, it's off or it's not off is sometimes how the language is just, it's, it's, it's off or on. And so everybody that's listening, this is a journey for all of you as well, just to navigate this day by day and, and just to begin to learn the language. Um, and an incredible resource that just came out was, uh, or is a book by Brene Brown called the Atlas of the heart. And she has like, what, like, like 50 different emotions or 50, some, some, some grand number of emotions that are words. And I read through the content and I was like, I don't know half those words. What are these words? What do they mean? So it's such a great resource. So that's why we do this mood check is it's so important to connect with ourselves and what all of this kind of leads into um, for what you were talking about with your friends is for everybody listening. We are so grateful for all of you. And I know this should come at the end of the episode, but I want to do it now because we just surpassed 6,000. And by the time this comes out, we're probably closer to like 6,500, which is so incredible. Um, and this is downloads, 6,500. We don't even know how many people actually listened because a lot of people um, that you're listening right now, you haven't downloaded and, and that's okay, but it's so powerful. And I just need to shout out everyone and Anwar and, and wants to too is thank you so much for all of your support. Thank you so much for being with us on this journey. We are coming up on our official release year, Mark. And it's just such an honor. It's sometimes it makes me feel like, oh man, we're not doing enough. Like we're not big enough. We don't have enough. And then I think in the context of how much we have done this year, and it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. It, it absolutely blows my mind of how many people are listening to this. And, you know, we're hitting charts in Australia. Uh, what was the other one? Uganda, Latvia, the UK, like we're South Africa. We're hitting charts that I didn't even know would be listening. So for everyone that's listening across the world, like y'all are amazing. Y'all are absolutely incredible. And I don't know how you found us, but I'm so grateful you did. And I really hope that we're serving you well. And, and thank you. Just thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it keeps us motivated. It keeps us, it keeps us going. It's, um, it's super cool to know that there's so many people, um, in this world and you always never know how you're going to get to them or how mm -hmm. they're going to find you. And all you can do is put effort and energy into something that you feel, you know, connected to and you feel passionate about. And, um, and they find, you know, it's, it's kind of the way the world works is put energy towards what you want, you care about and people will resonate or find you. And the fact that there's that many people who have downloaded and, um, have taken the time to listen to what we had to say. Um, you know, we're just a couple, we're just, we're just two guys who have a why. Uh, and, and that's, that's all we really are is two guys with a why. Two guys with a why. <laughs> and, uh, and to have all of you resonate with some of the stuff that we're saying and connect with, you know, um, our stories, it's incredible. It's awesome. And, uh, yeah, like Kyle said, couldn't be more grateful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
And shameless plug, by the way, y'all subscribe. If you haven't subscribed already, let's go. Come on. You know, you want to, you know, you enjoy listening to our voices. Uh, Give us those downloads because that's our best way of knowing how we're doing. Uh, That's how we're actually tracked and and all the charts. So download it if you can. Uh, Subscribe, please. Uh, We appreciate the support regardless. All of this leads into today, which we want to provide the most value possible for all y'all is we want to talk about habits, habits and routines, but not just on the general scale, our personal habits, our personal routines, the things that we've tried, the things that have worked, the things that haven't worked. And we're going to try to keep it um, as short as possible and as concise as possible. So you get the most value and you know, okay, that's something I want to try. And what I recognize about being a man in this world is that it just feels good to figure out a good routine and structure to my day. You feel that way? Just seems like it's what I meant to do sometimes. <laughs> oh, definitely. I feel like my personality is riddled in routine and, uh, and, and process. And in my life, I've noticed that, you know, when I've been able to achieve some of the some of my biggest successes, I've had the best routines going for me. And when I've been the most lost, I've had very little routine and structure in my life. So it's, there's a very, there's a cause and effect to routine in my life specifically. Um, Mm -hmm. And because I know that about myself, it's very easy for me to, to, to catch my, my low points by just restructuring my routines, you know, Mm -hmm. because I know that I'm like, okay, they're so, they're so correlated. Um, They're so, they're such a, a, a direct correlation between how I, my routines are going and how I feel about life. That for me, it's been, um, anytime I start falling off, anytime I start, you know, going down uh, a path that's like, you know, just a bit chaotic, a bit chaos. I just, you know, sit down, restructure it, organize it. Um, and we'll get into kind of how I've gone about, you know, understanding, making a routine and stuff like that in this episode, but, um, knowing you need a routine and knowing how to make one or two different completely things. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that I've learned that the hard way. And a lot of us have learned that the hard way in the new year, we all know what it feels like to be all fired up on new year's you've whacked down <laughs> a, a wicked championship routine. And by the second week, you, you're not doing any of it. So, you know, it's, there's, it's a little bit of that to go to it too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes it's like, what something we're going to refer to today often because we both read it is the book atomic habits and i remember reading that book like like it was like fire in my hands like just fueling me like it was it just felt like it was the right thing to read and then i would read another book um that would have some sort of habit or new routine in there and i would be like yes something new to do something new to try as a as a new structure and a new um a direction and as i talk to you about it now i realize how Evidently, it aligns with the some of the characteristics of the masculine polarity, the masculine energy of like assertiveness and structure and direction. It, I think it just resonates so much because that's so much of our masculine energy and that's what we enjoy. That's what we appreciate. And it's just so crazy sometimes for it to be to, to land so clearly where with my partner, it's much less about that. And it's a lot of flow. And she still has these routines here and there, but it's still more about the flow. And how do I just go with the day where I'm like, raw, raw, raw structure, raw. Okay. Here's the to-do list. All right. Here I've put this, our, our um, uh, what is our errands? I put my errands in my notes. So I don't forget an errand. Like I'm always trying to make sure that I'm structuring it. And so that's why I think habits and routines are such a powerful conversation and I'm excited to get into it. 
So, I mean, we can just dive right in really at the end of the day, but I want to share something that I read in the book, Atomic Habits. And the statement says, your identity is literally your repeated beingness. Your identity is literally your repeated beingness. What does that mean? What does this mean to you? How does this align with you? What, what comes up when I say this? Oh, everything, everything, you know, like, I think that when you, when we look at individuals and we, we look at people, we typically, especially in the social media world that we live in today, um, we see the highlights, right? We see the end of the process, you know, but it's so crazy to me because now I, I never see, I don't see the highlights as, as, as much as I used to. I, I'm not so blinded by that. I can look at somebody and see their success and immediately my brain goes to what does this person do on a day-to-day basis to get there, you mm-hmm. know? Cause that's what it is. Like that finish line that you see that, that complete package that you see of an individual, it's the, it's the aftermath of like continuously doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and, and for me, that's, that's, it's, it's, it's to, to speak to kind of what you just said there. It's the end product is literally just the consistency of someone doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, you know? Um, which implies habit, you know, um, I think we often, we often see that, uh, consistency is a word that comes up a lot in people's success, you know, when they Mm -hmm. talk about their top five reasons why they're successful and things like that. Um, you know, and anytime you see, I hear the word consistency, often the first word that comes to mind to me is habit right after that, you know, Mm -hmm. it's what are we being consistent about? You know, what is, what is consistency? You know, when people are like, yeah, being consistent, showing up every single day, being consistent, being consistent, but being consistent isn't as important as I think the habit drives the consistency. Mm. I don't think the consistency drives the habit, you know? Um, I think you can just, cause what is the habit, right? To habit to me is the more specific version of like, what are we being consistent about? You know, mm. consistency is just, in my opinion, consistency is just the fact that you have gone into this space, let's call it the gym, or let's call it the workplace, you've mm-hmm. entered that space five days in a row. So consistency to me is just like a totality, uh, just like a, a metric word to say, you've done this thing four days in a row, you've done this thing five days in a row, you've done this thing five, like six days in a row. Mm. Habit to me speaks to the idea of like getting that individual to do the six things in a row or mm. to pull them to do the thing four days in a row or five days in a row. You know, what is the, do you have the alarm clock that, you know, when alarm clock goes off, you go straight onto your yoga mat right after, and then you start doing the thing, right? Like that's, it's the habit that made you do that, right? Mm-hmm. Not the consistency. The consistency is just how we reflect on it aftermath. That's just mm-hmm. the aftermath word. Like, oh, mm-hmm. that person did that thing four days in a row. You know, right. it's not consistency by itself. That word by itself isn't going to, isn't going to, it's a way to tell people how you got somewhere, but not necessarily what you did to get there, you know? And I think the habits mm-hmm. speak to the, what you did to get there a lot better. Um, and that's why you should focus on the habit more. Um, and doing the habit consistently is going to lead to success. Um, right. And I think what I'm pulling out of that too, is the fact that not all habits work for everybody, 
right? Like it, you can be consistent at it and it's still not work for you. And that is why I think for us, when we are getting into this conversation with all y'all today, it's, we're going to share what's worked for us, um, but there is no blanket. There is no like right direction or wrong direction because so many people have uh, different motivations and different uh, opinions and different perspectives on all habits. So yes, you can be consistent at one for a really long time, but is it working for you? Like, are you actually knowing, are you seeing the benefits or are you just doing it because you know you're supposed to do it? I think a big one there that I'm not going to include in my habits is meditation. A lot of people are just meditating because they think it's the right thing to do. And yes, getting into the consistency of it may improve that mindset towards it. But if you've been doing it for six months to a year and you're like, what am I doing? Then maybe it's not right for you. So maybe the consistency isn't the right way to go about it. Maybe it is just about like, is this aligning? Like, am I even feeling anything through this? Is it something that is having like future effects? Cause then I've, you know, you always have to try it for a few months. Uh, are these things working for you in your own personal life? And this is again, why it's like your identity is literally your repeated beingness. Like whatever you're doing is your identity. And I'll get into that a bit later on how that's affected me. But um, one of the things that comes from that idea is it says the ultimate purpose of habits is to solve the problems of life with as little energy and effort as possible. Right? That's really what habits and routines are. It's how can I do this with the least amount of effort? So how can I feel you know, better with the least amount of effort, which would be you know, some sort of habit or some sort of routine. And one of the things he says in the book too is habits don't um, restrict freedom, they create it. Right? Hey, your habits and routines create that freedom. And I think for me, for the longest time, I was like, okay, I'm going to have this morning routine, right? I'm going to have this crazy morning routine. It's going to be so good. And then I thought about all the things I wanted to do. Hilariously enough, my masculine kicked in and I'm like, I'm going to do 17 things in the morning because that's how good I am. You know what I mean? And then uh, I add all of these things in and I start to do it. And I'm like, oh, why does it feel like there's more time in the day? I just did 17 things, not literally, but in two hours. And now I feel like there's so much more time in the day. I don't understand. I spent two hours. This is so confusing. And it was one of the most eye-opening things that I've ever experienced in my life is this idea that all of this is creating freedom. And yes, this takes effort, but the effort is paying off into freedom. Like it's, it's moving me towards that direction. It's make, and even with the routine itself, those routines are making me feel more free. Um, do you ever feel like your routines create more freedom or do you feel like they're restricted sometimes? One, one way I think about it all the time is... Uh the Simon Cows of the world and the, the Mark Zuckerbergs, how they wear the same shirt every day. They wear the same clothes mm. every single day. That is where, you know, what you're saying that resonates to me. It's the, it's the fact that it does create freedom because we are just, we only have a certain amount of like, we can only make a certain amount of decisions in a day. And mm. when, when you're in a routine, all those decisions were already premeditated. They were all already made. So you're not actually making a decision to do that yoga thing. You already decided yesterday you were doing that. So when you're in it, you haven't used your decision-making for the day. You're just going through these decisions that you've already made for yourself. Mm -hmm. So when you're actually greeted with real decisions that day, you're on like decision number one versus decision 17, you know, right. um, because you already, those ones weren't decisions. Those were, you know, those were non-negotiables that you'd already predetermined that you're going to do. I am going to wake up. I'm going to do X, Y, Z. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to sit down. So by the time, you know, nine o'clock rolls around, you got your, you're greeted with your first challenge. 
it's literally your first challenge because everything before that wasn't wasn't was already premeditated you know so such a great point such a great point how much energy we lose in the decision making process you know should i do this should i not do this maybe do i feel like it i'm not sure how much energy we give by staying in the middle it's always blown my mind and i remember creating a video about this a while ago it just it dawned on me i'm like oh my goodness i'm not choosing yes and i'm not choosing no therefore this like middle ground is just exhausting Super middle exhausting. is exhausting. Just pick one. If you're not going to do it, then don't. That's fine. If you're going to do it, do it. That's fine too. Like, how can you get yourself out of the middle? I think it's like one of the, one of the most powerful things I think anyone can do forever in their life. Just don't live in the middle too long. Like contemplate it. Just don't live there. Cause mm-hmm. I've lived there in so many different decisions and I'm just, you know, the, the most exhausting one is getting out of bed, you know? Like, I, I don't, I don't have necessarily like a perfect jump out of bed moment. I take some time to relax, but the problem with that is that I will live in, do I get up or do I not? Do I get out of bed or do I not? And this middle ground makes me just stay in bed. Like I don't move. Nothing happens with the clarity of it. So I've already made the decision to stay in bed. I just don't know. I've made the decision to stay in bed. Um, so it's so fascinating to me how much, like, what if I just made set, made a decision and say, no, I'm not going to. Okay, Perfect. You're going to lay there. And then I might get up in a few minutes. Who knows? But how do I not live there? Such a good point. That's a very, that's a very, very powerful point. The not, not, not living in the middle. I think that when you, for example, take a approach to like a diet, for example, and you say, you know, I'm going to eat healthy or I'm going to do this. Now, when you go to the restaurant, you're not, you're not in the middle of like looking at the menu. You're, you're, you know what you're doing. You already mm-hmm. have a habit that kind of is going to control how you're going to order here now, right? But when you're like not really committed to the diet or your fitness or whatever the case may be, when you get to that restaurant, your brain starts doing the whole like, should we just eat the crap today? Should we not eat the crap today? Like, and you're you're kind of playing 50-50 with your habits. So your habits are there, but you're you're not really committed to them. So you're not really living intentionally, right? And that's mm-hmm. another big topic that we can talk about later on in the habits in the world is, you know, when you have habits, but you're not really, you're just setting them to set them and you, there's not no intention really behind it. It, it let, it leaves you in no man's land. It leaves you in the middle, right? It leaves you in luck land. Um, and that's a dangerous place to be, uh, because then those are the same, those are the same people who in six months time, five months time, they're going to be very upset because they're going to be like, I had this habit in place. I was doing this habit. I was consistent. But what they didn't notice was that they were literally always on the fence. They never were committed to the, to the habit, you know, four days on three days off, five days here, three days here, you know, and all of that kind of sporadicness, that indecisiveness, that in the middleness is going to make you be like, Oh, the habit doesn't work or the, the thing doesn't work, you know, and it's, it's typically not the case. It's, um, it's how you're thinking about the thing, you know? Mm-hmm. My friends, let's talk about mental health and the sponsor of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Tether, a peer-enabled mental health and well-being platform for men. Tether helps men find meaning and purpose through community, accountability pods, and a 24-7 support network. Tether invites us all to be a part of changing the face of masculinity and letting every man know that struggling and vulnerability doesn't make you any less of a man. It simply makes you human. 
And for me, I've had a lot of personal experience with this app. I've used it many times. I've shared a lot of vulnerable moments. I've shared some strength moments, some exciting moments. The app is open for everyone to simply just share. And like I said in the introduction, a peer enabled space where we're supporting each other without any pressure to fix, just simply to honor each other's journey. They also just added in a conscious content section where they're sharing podcasts, they're sharing blog posts. It is a really powerful space. So we really want to implore you and encourage you to download it from the app and Google store. It is Tether, T-E-T-H-R, available on both app stores. Join the community. I promise you will not regret it. And so with all of that, with this idea of habits and routines, let's get into some. Let, let's let's talk about some that we've experienced, that we've practiced, that we've tried, that maybe we still do, maybe we still don't, that have just been a part of our life. And I think for me, what I've recognized is that through different phases of life, different habits and routines are created. As the phases and the cycles come through, I change and I create new ones and I stop resonating with this and I start resonating with that. And I think one of the hardest parts about this idea of habits and routines is what I said earlier is your identity is literally your repeated beingness. But the problem with that for me is at least my experience is I will get too caught up in that identity and therefore I won't be open to something that could be better for me, something that could uh, facilitate a different type of growth or development or feeling in my life. So with habits and routines, if that's who we are, I think what I also have to always remember, and I share this with all of you, is that I have to reel myself in to be like, yes, you do this, but no, that is not who you are. Yes, you do these habits and know that is not who you are. Because as long as I can remind myself of that, then I can reel myself in and say, okay, you're open still. You can stay open. Someone will present a new idea. You can stay open. And so I'll leave the question with you. What is a habit that you've tried or are trying right now or have implemented in your life? Let's say like one of your top ones that you enjoy the most. Um, give us a bit of backstory on what that habit is why you chose to have this habit in the first place, like what was the motivation and if it's still serving you, if you feel like maybe it should change or if you're like, no, this is something I'll do for a long time. Probably fasting. Ooh, okay. I would say is a, is a, is a, is a habit that I've had in my life for a long time. Intermittent fasting is something that's, oh, it's always really served me. It's um, it's one of those things where you find out there's a thing online that people are trying. You say, okay, I'm going to try it. You try it you really find out that it works for you. And then you go, okay, how do I implement it? And I, there was a time where I was overdoing it a little bit. You know, I was intermittent, I was intermittent fasting every single day. You know, I wouldn't mm -hmm. eat. Um, I would eat around more like dinner time. I would fast pretty much the whole entire day. I'd have an eating window. I would do that. And then what I realized is that it was being, it was a little bit contradictory to how I wanted to feel in the gym or how I wanted to look physically. Um, because mm. you know, you have to, in order to, then you have to eat two times as much in your eating window, you know? And so I just felt like, even though it was working for me and I loved it because what it was doing for my, you know, all the, the, the psychological stuff, you know, I felt like my brain was clear, no mental fatigue. I could work through hours without, you know, having to reach for things. Um, I always felt really, really hydrated. Um, because I'm only drinking, I'm mostly only focusing on drinking water and things like that. Like I felt like my skin felt even a little bit less like irritated because I'm always, always very hydrated. Um, so from those perspectives, it was really working for me. And um, with that, with that being said, just so, to make everybody clear, what is intermittent fasting? What, what did you do as like intermittent? What is that? 
So intermittent fasting is just the idea that, you know, you um, are going to fast in a certain window. You can fast for 16 hours. You can fast for eight hours. You can fast for, um, you know, as, as little as, you know, six or 10. Um, and then in that fasting window, you don't have any kind of food. Um, mm. and, and, and not only just food, there's certain, like you can't have milk, you know, that will start your, that will start your, you'll wake up your body into the idea that like we're eating things now, you know, so to stay in a fasted state, um, you know, the things that you can have are like black coffee you can have water, um, uh, like lemon and green tea and things like that. Um, and so your body basically essentially stays in a resting state, although you are awake. You know, mm -hmm. your body hasn't started its engine of, you know, breaking foods down and breaking things down. So you're essentially still in a, a lot more of a rested state. And what typically um, what this window does is it allows your body to kind of work on some other areas other than digestive. You know, so the digestive team is turned off. It's focusing on, you know, repairing other things and, you know, um, cleansing and cleaning and um, all those other operate. And it also takes a lot of the the mental load off of your body. Like, you know, the feeling that you get after you eat when you're like, oh, you can tell your body is working on something else. You mm -hmm. know, you like eat, you sit down, you're trying to work, but you feel this lethargic feeling. You can feel like, oh, I could take a nap. Mm -hmm. All of that's kind of gone. Uh, you're not really, you're not really dealing with any of those challenges. Um, and then when you start your eating window, you got to kind of do it in a very, you know, strategical way. I think that a lot of people that think intermittent fasting doesn't work is, when they're able to start eating, they start like with carbs right away. And, you know, mm -hmm. they start with like, they, they break their fast in a way that, you know, um, makes them feel really bloated and really sick and all those kind of things. So, uh, mm -hmm. knowing how to break your fast, knowing when to like insert your workout, things like that. Um, so for me, it, it created just a lot of, you know, um, space mentally. Um, it, it created a lot of, uh, Inflammation is another thing that I was working on. So it was another reason why I wanted to try it is to try to like lower the inflammation in my body. Um, yeah, those are the, those are the main two reasons why. And it's a habit that I've, I've not only taken on, but I, I really, really leverage in a lot of different ways. Um, so I'll, now instead of intermittent fasting all the time, um, I choose when to intermittent fast, you know, I'm very selective. I might do it, you know, once or twice a week. Um, I might do it um, for a week or a three day period in a row and then let it go. So it's a habit that I know now I know how I feel on it. I know what I'm trying to get, what I'm trying to achieve. And it's something that I'll probably continue to do for the rest of my life is, uh, just, you know, instilling it when I think it's time for it. I typically like to intermittent fast if I've had a, a, a stretch of maybe unhealthy eating. Um, mm -hmm. it almost, I almost can use it as like a refresh, a reset type of thing. Um, so things like that, but intermittent fasting has definitely been, uh, something that I've been very passionate about. Uh, and I, and I really, really enjoy, I think that I like, um, and it's a constant reminder of, our, our, like I, I do Ramadan too, which is a, a more intense version of intermittent fasting, but, mm -hmm. um, it's a constant reminder that, you know, that fidgetiness that you have in your day where you're constantly reaching for stuff, like you're working and then you feel like you got to get up and eat an apple and then you come back down and you gotta, I gotta right. get up and do this. I gotta get that fidget, like that, that, that mental fidget. I, it really works on that. It's like, you're not eating. So where are you, where are you going? Sit down. Right. Like, and so I can really see where my brain starts to kind of wander sometimes. And like, I want to go do something. I felt the same with social media when I turned that off is, you know, you you go reach for your phone and there's nothing there. You're like, why are, you, why are you reaching for your phone? So you just go put it back down and then you continue to work and stuff. And I'm like, wow, there is so many things that are always constantly pulling us, pulling us away from, you know, the things that we want to get accomplished or the tasks that we have for our day. Um, 
And so it also really helps me understand kind of, you know, how fidgety I am with, you know, the work and sitting still and just finding that stillness in that zone. Um, I really find that I can find that zone when I'm intermittent fasting a lot easier than when um, I'm eating and it's throwing my energy levels off because you sit down, you feel good, you have the coffee, then you eat. Now you feel that lethargic feeling. You're trying to push through that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit more of an up and down, I feel like. When, but intermittent fasting, I can find the energy, find the zone and live there for a longer period of time and just not break. Um, and I love that. That concentrated work, that, pr- that productivity in that during that time. Um, is very, very, very beneficial. And I really like that. Mm. And do you feel like uh, you had like a, maybe like a leg up with being, with practicing Ramadan, uh, then choosing to intermittent fast? Is that how that worked? And do you feel like it made it easier? Or what was like the first experiences of your own personal intermittent, intermittent fasting outside of the, the Ramadan? Yeah, I think it was a lot easier for me, um, just because I had that experience previously. Um, it wasn't something that I was so foreign to, or I didn't like the concept of not eating food. Some people are just like every year, someone would be like, so wait, you don't eat all day. And I'm like, yeah, it's like, you don't drink anything all. And I can just tell that their brain hasn't ever comprehended that ever. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I'm just like. When this it's westernized society of abundance, it's like, what do you mean? There's food, water, and access to everything everywhere you go. Why would you not eat and drink all of it? Yeah, it's so funny. And they're always like, there's no way I could do that. I'm like, you 100% can. <laughs> like, you 100% can do that. Um, it's not that. It's not that crazy. Um, there is a little, obviously, you got to manage how you're feeling and stuff like that and understand kind of how uh, to go about things. Um, but you're 100% capable of doing it. It's not mm-hmm. that hard. Not that and hard. With, with intermittent fasting and Ramadan, obviously, you practice this a lot now. Last question I have for this, this habit, I guess, is um, are there any possible like negative outcomes of this? Like, have you noticed anything that you maybe don't enjoy or that would be something you would avoid during this or something that could be um, maybe just taken in the wrong context in regards to fasting? Cause I think a lot of people fear fasting cause they're like, I'm going to lose weight and then I'm going to, you know, shrivel and my health is going to deteriorate and all that. Like, there's a lot of fear around fasting. Um, and so do you feel like any of that, there's a validity to any of that or what is your, I guess, uh, last thoughts on fasting? Yeah, I think so. I think that there's definitely, you got to kind of understand how to make it work for yourself. Um, You know, same way, like, you know, if you were just like all of a sudden, I'm going to be, I'm going to go on a vegetarian diet, or I'm going to be a vegan diet. It's like, okay, well, do you know the challenges of that? So that means now the easy source of protein that you're able to just get all the time in, in in a meat eating diet, that's effortless. You don't even think about it. You got to now find the the alternatives for that, right? So it's not just turn a switch and you're a vegetarian or you're a vegan. Your body will suffer if you don't understand what what mathematical equation you just eliminated. And mm-hmm. not that it's not possible, very possible. But now you got to find what are the proteins in plants and how can I get that into my diet? So the same way you need to be, you know, strategical in that decision is the same way you need to be strategical in intermittent fasting. If you know, you know, if you just take your... Uh, uh, your, I think it's called your, your body mass index or your BMI. Yeah, your BMI, yeah. Yeah, you take your BMI and you, under, you figure out how much calories you need to eat in a day. Well, now you need to eat that exact number just at a very condensed time frame, right? So mm-hmm. that you're going to bed and you've still eaten 25,000 calories uh, or 2,500 calories, I should say. Or if 3,000 calories is your number, then how do you now intermittent fast until 8 o'clock? But then between the hours of 8 o'clock and 11, you get those 3,000 calories in, um, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever the, the, the way, the way however your math 
works out or shakes out. So it's just, it's more strategic. It's I always encourage people when you're taking on new habits, um, it's not about being turned off by the side effects or the downsides is how do you mitigate those? How do you, how are you on top of those? How do you prepare for those? And then you'll find out if this thing works for you or doesn't work for you. Right. But a lot of people won't try things because they're like, oh yeah, but it said that you're gonna, This is going to happen. And I don't want this to happen. It's like, yeah, well that could happen. Not that it, it's guaranteed to happen. It's that's, this is what could happen when you do it wrong. You know, if you go on a vegetarian diet and you don't get enough protein in you, you're going to feel low energy. You're going to feel this. You're going to feel that. You're going to feel this. It didn't say if you get the right amount of protein in you that you're going to feel those things, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, just understanding kind of why you're doing something and what could maybe be the side effects or what could be maybe the, the downsides of choosing that lifestyle and then Mm -hmm. mitigating it as best as you can, um, to, to optimize, not only the habit that you're instilling, but, you know, to optimize whether you, you feel good on this or you don't feel good on this. And then ultimately, you know, choose whether you want to continue on or let it go. Absolutely. I love that. Thanks for sharing. Is there a schedule that you follow? Are you like on a 16 to eight when you do it or like a, like a, how many hours, what's your window of not eating? Yeah. I'm, I'm more of like a 14, 14 hour, 16 hour fast kind of person. Um, one of the, like I can fast pretty easily. So I think like one of the side effects for me personally is that I can get really addicted to that lifestyle pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And, um, when, when I couple that, I've noticed that like, I don't like to intermittent fast when I'm stressed. If I'm Mm -hmm. stressed because I don't have, I don't really think about food when I'm stressed out. I only think about the task at hand. Right. So if I'm, if I'm intermittent fasting and I'm stressed, I know that I'm probably never going to see the fridge. Like I'm not even going to look at the fridge. And then now if you go two, three days without getting that 3000 calories in that you were supposed to say you've eaten a thousand calories in four days or five days. Now your body is in a, you know, in a fight or flight situation and your body's feeling very, 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 uh, the, the, the stress just is doubles, uh, everything kind of doubles. So I know that when I'm in a higher stress situation, um, to mitigate, you know, the circadian rhythm or not the circadian rhythm to, to mitigate some of the, um, what's that word I'm looking for cortisol in my body and to mitigate some of the stress levels that are kind of coming up. I'll eat more regularly, more frequently to be like, okay, cool. We're stressed out over here. So we're not going to stress the body out too. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I'm stressed out mentally by work. I'm not going to also put my body through stress of like, when is our next meal coming? You know, but when I feel good and I feel on top of life and things are moving pretty, pretty smoothly, then intermittent fasting, I know is a, that's an optimal time for me to be like, okay, you can have a couple of days here where, uh, you give your body some rest, uh, and you, and you let the, you let the body do its thing and take care of itself and cleanse itself. Um, but I've noticed, yeah, the stress plus stress doesn't really work for me. Um, okay. and I've done it and it's like, then that's when I, people look at me and, or my mom would get on a FaceTime and be like, are you okay? Your face looks like, do you haven't eaten a meal in like 30 days? Uh, you look, your eyes are black. Um, and that's when I'm like, oh, okay. Cause I, I might, I, sometimes what I do is I'll just go, I haven't eaten today. So I might as well just fast, you know? Right. And that's, that's when I'm like, no, we're not just going to fast because you haven't eaten today. Cause the reason why you haven't eaten today is cause you're stressed out. So go eat. Totally. Um, so. I like that. That's a good, that's a good point to finish on. I love that. Um, and I know that to be true about you. I remember moments where I'd be like, have you, have you eaten? And you're like, no, but I, I'm probably just going to fast today. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, that's crazy. Good for you. Like, I don't know how you just make that, that turn. Cause it's so less intentional at that point. So for me, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go eat. I'm starving. And you're like, no, maybe I'll just not. 
And it's just, it's so interesting. And I think what I hear in this is with any of the habits that we share, or we've ever done is they can always be taken to the extreme where it does become unhealthy. It does become something that is not working in your favor. And it's that swinging of the pendulum, right? Like you try something new, you, you dive headfirst in like working out. For example, when I first did it, I dove headfirst. I worked out intensely. I lifted too heavy of weights. I was so in it. I was so excited. I had so much motivation. And that lasted for so long because, well, I felt like I could see the repercussions really easily. But the problem with that is I made a lot of minor injuries that I didn't know about till years later because I was going so heavy that I had no balance. And I think that is something that we're both probably going to preach in this episode leading into the new year is that you're probably all going to want to grab 17 new habits and start them in January. And that's unfortunately just not the reality of how any of that's going to work out. You'll quit at all of them because you're not finding the balance as to how your life is going to operate with these new things. Something that I, I was thinking about and pondering about yesterday, prepping for this episode is the, what I find with habits creating and even with my clients asking them to start a new habit or start a new routine, um, I think there's an expectation that it's all it's simple for everyone once you started it, right? Like for me, um, cold showers or not having my phone in my bedroom, things I'm going to share today or you fasting, um, like telling somebody else to try it seems relatively easy because we've done it. But in that process, I think where there's something that's forgotten, and this is what I wrote, I said, when we desire to create a new habit or routine, what we are not just simply trying to do is something new. We are also asking ourselves to stop doing something we've done, which at the same time is asking ourselves to change who we are, to change our identity, to change everything we have ever known for the sake of this new identity or this new idea. So it's a complete flip of life. Like it's not just a new habit, new routine. It's not just the gym. It's not just a new diet. It's not just waking up at a different time. It's changing everything about you. It's, it's forcing you to change your mind, which is basically saying all the beliefs you have, change them. You have this belief about this, change it. And that's the hardest thing we ever do in life is changing our identity, is changing our belief systems. And that's what I believe about habits and routines too. And that's why some of the reasons it's so damn hard is because it has nothing sometimes to do with the habit or the routine. It has everything to do with your belief around who you are, what you're worthy of, what you're capable of, how much you could do, and are you do you believe yourself to be someone who could do this consistently? Because if you don't, it's going to be that much harder. It's not to say it's not possible, because again, your identity is your repeated beingness, but it's going to be a challenge. And that's what all of my routines have always been for me, is a challenge because I'm challenging everything I've ever known about myself. I'm changing everything I, do, I am to be. So well said, so well said. And that's why I think there's, there's certain rules I have now about me starting habits, you know, and because I know it's so correlated with like identity and you know, who I am and whatever. To me, I don't create habits that I don't want to one day turn into a lifestyle. I have no habits that have nothing to do with what I wanna be in the future. You know, Cause what's the point? I don't mm. want to, I don't, I don't need a habit today that is something I just want to like tick a box, you know, and say, mm. okay, cause I know I'm going to fall off, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going, I'm going to be like, oh, why do I even have this habit? You know? 100%. And that's been a lot of the things like meditation is a great one. You know, I was meditating every single day, for example. And, you know, I haven't, I haven't got on this meditation train yet because it's, I've noticed that meditation for me, isn't something Though I want to change the narrative on this, and I, I hope to, because I do think meditation is a great lifestyle habit, right? 
right now meditations only is served me in a smaller capacity in the sense that when my mind is going all over the place, then I use meditation to control it. You know, mm. when I'm really like, when I'm like this and my, I can feel it, my brain can't stay on one spot. Right. It's more reactive will, than proactive kind of idea. Exactly. Very yeah. reactive style of meditating is definitely how I, the, how I meditate right now. Um, or if I'm about to, I remember going into a, you know, a new shift or, or an interview or like moments where, you know, I'm feeling a lot of big emotions. I'll, I'll sit and stop and, and, and just understand what the moment really is. You know, I'm like, you're getting too ahead of yourself here. Like this is just a phone call, you Mm -hmm. know, or I remember when I'd be cold calling, um, people all day when I first started my job, I just, you know, I would sit down before and just be like, you know, mentally prepare my mind for somebody's not going to answer. You're going to get rushed off the phone. They're going to say no to you. Like, so like my body was kind of prepared for what was coming. And my mind was a little bit more like not focused on what happened, but focused on how I can pivot or move mm-hmm. or, you know, I'd meditate before a basketball game. If I was really nervous, things like that. Like it was, it was more of like, I used it to get through certain spaces, but it wasn't like an everyday type of thing. And I remember when I was doing it an everyday type of thing, it started losing its value to me. Like I, mm. I felt like personally, it wasn't, it wasn't like, but in hindsight, if I probably stuck with it for maybe 66 days, I would actually start seeing the benefits of it. But I just felt like I was, you know, and so I would fall off that routine very easily. I'd be mm-hmm. like, ah, I don't see the direct relation here. So I'm just going to not do it. Totally. Um, yeah. It's another example. The intangibles are tough, like gratitude, right? Like it's such an intangible. You practice it. You're like, okay, I don't feel better. Practice it again tomorrow. I don't feel better. And it's, it's just, a, it's a long haul in some of those ones. Like some habits are longer, longer results, like meditating for three months might then you'd be like, oh, interesting. I feel different today. Or I reflect on this last week and this last week has, has been kind of smooth. I haven't really thought about much because of the two and a half months of meditation and two and a half months of practicing gratitude. Like those ones are a little bit tougher. They're tougher. Cause yeah, we're, we're looking for, I think like a cold shower moment, you know, like mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons I love cold showers. Like, boom, I get out, I have energy. It's the most simple and most tangible thing that I've ever done that says, boom, it works, you know? Mm-hmm. So sometimes I get lost in that. And I, I, I think that's a great point to make is that um, these are not always instantaneous and yet still pride provide value. However, at the same time, like for you, you found it's like, it's not really my thing right now. And that's fine. Like just because the world is doing something does not mean you need to start. does not mean that it's the perfect answer. And right now mm-hmm. meditation is not the perfect answer for you. And that's okay. It might be one day and it might not be, but you know, it's there and you know, you can always return to it, but you haven't made yourself like an identity of, I'm just not a meditator or I am only a meditator. Cause then you're lost, right? Then you, then unfortunately you're, you're so restricted to the identity of whatever one you've chosen that nothing can change your mind. hundred percent. Yeah. I think, I think that openness that you keep talking about is, is super good. Cause it's, uh, though these habits can and do make people, you know, like they are ultimately these habits can define, you know, people. Um, If you are too committed to it um, or you're, you're committed to it while suffering should be a better, should be a better, because if you're committed to it and it's working for you, then 
keep doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're committed to it and you're, and you're suffering at the expense and you're noticing that like, you know, it's causing more stress in your life or it's causing more, but you're so caught up in the identity of, you know, what you're trying to, trying to be or trying to, trying to say, then you might, might want to look at some other options. You know, there's always other alternatives. There's a lot of different diets in the world, you know, just because you like the aesthetic of one, even though it's not working for your body, doesn't mean you should maintain that one, you know, maybe try a different one, you know, um, because your body, how your body wants to feel, you can't ignore sometimes, uh, mm-hmm. you got to kind of just change it, change it up a little bit, uh, to, to fit what your body feels. But one thing I wanted to say about, you know, finding habits that, you know, going back to kind of the lifestyle thing, that's kind of been my new rule with, you know, habits is, you know, instilling habits that I think are what I want to be long-term, you know, or instilling habits that I'm like, I like what this habit can do for the person that I want to become. And are they aligned, you know? Uh, And it's a little bit more, it's less about what you see on New Year's you know, I think New Year's people are, they're, they're so short-minded with their goals. They, they set a goal based on something that they want tomorrow, you know, a very short, narrow, like, I'm going to, I want to do this because I want to do, I want to look like this in March. I'm like, okay, you set a goal in June. You want to, you want to mm-hmm. accomplish it by March. You know, I'm not, I'm very, I'm not really big on setting habits nowadays that are that short. Like all the habits that I set in my life are habits that I want to see me get better at five years from now, 10 years mm-hmm. from now, the ones that I want to show up when I sit in a place 10 years from now, I'd be like, oh, damn, that habit I chose in 2000, 2010 is serving me right now. 100%. You know, like those are the type of habits that I lean more towards and I try to choose and I try to think about. Um, I think that those are the ones that you give up on the less, uh, the least amount too, right? So I think that those are the ones that you, you kind of try to, like this 5 a.m. thing. I've been trying this 5 a.m. thing for like a couple of years now to like be a 5 a.m. person, you know, like just, I, I just, I just, but there's times where, you know, it just, it works for you for a couple of weeks and then you fall off and you wake up at 10, you wake up at nine. And it's like this thing that you keep grabbing onto, you keep trying to, but it's something that I know is the person that I kind of want to be because when I've done it, I'm like, wow, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't even need meditation in my life if I'm waking up at 5 a.m. Cause the day mm-hmm. is starting at my own pace. Like I'm not rushed. My mm-hmm. mind comes into the day with a very, very clear, conscious, sober. I feel like I need meditation more when I'm like waking up at like, eight o'clock and my day starts at nine and it's really chaotic and there's a lot of stuff going on and like, I'm not mentally balanced and I'm, I'm chasing everything. And, you know, I feel like I'm behind the eight ball the whole entire day. And it's one thing after another, after another, then I'm like, Oh, maybe I should meditate. But if I was just up at five and could organize my day accordingly, how I wanted to plan it out. And I stretched in the morning and I did this and I did this, you know, once I have a grip on the mind in the morning, I feel like there's very little that can throw me off of my game. Like I'm, I've been in control since five. Mm -hmm. So now at nine, I'm already well warmed up, you know? Um, And so I feel like that habit might negate even my feeling for needing to, to meditate. It might just be I wake up at five and I meditate in the morning based on just like having that pace be so slow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the kind of habits I, I, I seek out is these long winded, like lifestyle habits that I want to see in myself, like for years to come years to come. Um, but yeah, those are, those are the kind of habits that I choose. And I try to choose habits that I also think um, I also don't fall in love with habits because they like cold showers, Great, great one. Great example for your part. I've realized that what I like about cold showers is the fact that 
I don't need like, cause a cup of coffee will give me energy too. Right. So when I, so when I think about a habit and I'm like, okay, cool, this gives me energy. I don't just like fall in love with that idea. I go, okay, but say I had energy, right? So say I had energy that day, I restful sleep, a cup of coffee gives me energy. Do I need more energy or what do I need this cold shower for? Right. If that's the only reason why I've taken this cold shower, what I've noticed is that the cold shower is great for the days that I wake up and I don't got it. I'm like scared of the day. Like where I'm like already showing up with very weak energy for the day. Like I just started and I'm like already like ugh, a to-do list. Ugh, like, you know, you're just not like, you're just feeling like you can't plow through something. Then mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, first we're going to go take a cold shower. Mm-hmm. We're going to go do something that I do not want to do. Mm-hmm. And when I use the cold shower in that regard, then I get out and I'm like, all right, where's that to-do list? You know, like I already just did something I did not want to do. So like, what's up? That's everything else that I don't want to do. Let's do it. And so those are the days that I take a cold shower, you know, instead of saying cold shower is an energy thing to me, I'm going to take a cold Mm. shower because it gives me energy to me. I'm like, I'm going to take a cold shower on the days that I'm like, I'm not feeling adversity. Like I'm like, I don't not want to do the work. Then I'm like, well, because you're saying that you're going to go take a cold shower. Mm -hmm. And then typically when I go do something that I don't want to do or uh, the adversity, like something that is like, I have to kind of push through right away, right early. Then I notice I could take that cold shower. I come out all of a sudden I'm making my bed. I'm, I'm, I'm in the game already. I'm like, and now I feel like I'm like ready for the challenges of the day. So for me, it was like making that switch of like, I don't need more energy, but I do need a, a little punch sometimes when I'm waking up and I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Day. Oh, I don't want to go through it. And then that's the days where I trigger myself into being like, Oh, good luck. You just earned yourself a cold shower. Good job. You wanted to show mm. up all wishy-washy <laughs> today. You don't want to try right. take a cold shower today. So that's why I, I use that habit to get over that obstacle, like that mental obstacle, you know? So it's a very, it's a lot more of a strategic thing that I do to like move me on a day where I'm feeling a little bit like lazy or feeling mm-hmm. like I don't want to be a part of today. That's when I, that's when I take a cold shower because taking a cold shower every day to me just felt like it also loses its thing. Mm. You get used to cold showers. Uh, you can mentally understand, like, you know, it's like you have that deep breathing thing where you go, you just, and then you slowly start to try to control that. And then, and then now you're like, now you're manipulating the power that it had over you because you're just like good at, you're anticipating it. You know, it like, um, where now I haven't taken what? I probably haven't taken a cold shower in like six, seven months. So if I took one tomorrow, it would hit me like a wall. Like I would mm-hmm. feel it like as if it was the first time I've ever done it. And it would probably do what I needed it to do twofold, you know? Right. I'm for sure going to get that to do the do list done, <laughs> you know? It's winter, all those kind of things. So uh, totally. not, not only just falling in love with the habit because like you don't need to do it every day if it's not an everyday habit for you, you know? Right. But that's only when you overcome it, when you have instilled it in your life and you're, you know what it's about. A hundred percent. And then, you know, it's so interesting hearing you talk because obviously one of the things that I was going to talk about today um, is cold showers. And I, I'm glad that you brought up your perspective because what some people might start to recognize as we start to talk about meditation and talk about fasting and cold showers, like all of these things, they're, they're, I don't want to call them extreme forms of habits, but they are a little bit more aggressive to some people like don't eat and drink. Well, that's confusing. Take a cold shower instead of a hot. Why would I ever do that? Um, these habits that we're talking about. And as I listened to you, what I started to notice in my body was, I think a little bit of possibly my over attachment to the concepts of cold showers. 
And what I mean by that is I know myself to be true that my most consistent habit is cold showers. This is something that I do often. It's rare that I um, miss days, but when I do, it's, it doesn't really bother me that much. I just, I'm open to it. I'm open to the idea of missing days, but I've been doing them now for almost four years. And in the context of this, what I recognized is uh, that I got in my own body, it, I felt a little defensiveness and a little bit of like, wait a second, you don't do it the same as me. Or like, wait a second, why does it feel like you're dumbing down like my habit? And the reason that I share this is because that is a direct correlation with I've overattached my identity to cold showers. I've overly attached myself to being someone who takes cold showers. And so what this is doing for me is it's reflecting back to me. Oh, okay. You take cold showers, but that doesn't mean that's who you are. And if you're saying that's who you are, it will always be threatening when someone else brings up a new idea about it. So you're not, you're no longer open. I feel like some, well, most of the times my identity struggles kick in, my ego kicks in when it's, um, I'm overly attached to something. And so that allows me to reel it in. So if you've listened to any of our habits so far and you're like, like this feels off or like this feels wrong or like, why does this, what do you mean you do it that way? That is a direct correlation to an overattachment to an identity. You're overly attached to that habit. And that habit is now how you prove your worth in the world. It is now how you prove yourself to other people. So I just wanted to kind of share my experience as that came up with you. Cause I was like, Oh, this doesn't really feel too good. Um, but with cold showers, what something that I want to, I want to just continue on is obviously this is a habit. Like I said, I've been doing it for about four years. I learned from Wim Hof, you know, who Wim Hof is mm-hmm. like one of the most hilarious guys I think I've ever had. He's so energetic. He's so fun. But I remember coming across him when I first got into personal development, I think a lot of people I'm listening might have heard of Wim Hof. If you haven't, um, it's W H I M. Um, space H-O-F-F, Wim Hof. And he created a breathing technique. He is the crazy man who's always in the, the Arctic doing cold plunges. Like he's a wild man. And I remember hearing about this idea of how like cold showers or cold therapy, I guess you could call it, is so beneficial to us and it helps our body so much. And at that time, I was just kind of taking on things. I was learning. I was like, let's try this. Let's try that. That sounds cool. Whoa, that sounds crazy. And at the same time, um, Edward, um, our mutual friend was doing the same thing. We were living together. So he started it at the same time. And I remember being like, cool, I have someone to do this with. And I think that's a beautiful part about the journey sometimes. And you can relate to this too, is the idea of accountability partners, right? They help habits so much. They keep you so consistent. And that's what he did for me. So we would do it all the time. And it was so hilarious because at the beginning, he would get into his cold shower and you could hear him yelling and screaming from down the hall because <laughs> it was so cold. And he was like, woo, woo. And he was like, it was just really thriving in it. And I remember getting into mine and being like, like almost angry that it was cold. Like I wasn't yelling. I wasn't screaming. I was angry that it was cold, but I got through it. And it was um, a wild journey at first. I'm like, what am I doing this? Like, this is wild. This is so confusing. Um, and is this really something I'm going to do long-term? This doesn't make sense to me. And then I did it for on and off, not like every single day for, I don't know, probably five, six months. And I was just keeping doing it because it seems simple. I take a shower every day. What I can just do it to cold. And once you start this, like if you've tried cold showers before, once you start this, sometimes it's hard to get into a shower and not have that thought before you end of, should I change? Should I do this to cold? <laughs> should I move this to cold water? I feel like I have that every single shower if it's warm. And then what I started to recognize over these six months is that, uh, I was doing things very seamlessly. 
in my life. I was making big decisions. I was having big thoughts. I was taking big action and it didn't feel like I was taking big action. It was very confusing to me. Uh, what, 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 hold on a second. Like I've just surpassed, I've just passed over six months of my life. I've quit my job. I've started to move. I've taken new jobs. I've done all these things. Of course they've been difficult, but it feels like I'm still really good. Like what's, what's happening here. And the only thing that I was consistently doing was cold showers. And it started to be a direct correlation. I'm like, hold on a second. Why can I do bigger things by just simply taking a cold shower? It was so eye-opening to me. So I kept doing them. And over the last four years, uh, what I've learned is like a deep knowledge about cold showers. And one of the biggest things I've learned is that it helps you control your fight or flight. It's the biggest thing that cold showers does because you just said that big, like like that gasp when the water is so cold, it feels like the Arctic and water's coming from the top of the mountain, right? And your ability to control that allows you throughout the rest of the day to control it again, much easier. Your body knows it. So it shows up and then it's easier to calm down or it shows up less. And then you calm down because you forcefully put yourself into a fight or flight scenario, knowing that you can find a way to get out and be safe again. And so I have trained my nervous system to work so well in my favor because I'm constantly saying, let's go back into that feeling. Let's go back into that feeling. Let's control that feeling. You know, it's going to be freezing cold, control it. You know, it's going to be freezing cold, control it. Even though I can anticipate it, I know it's going to be freezing cold. Breathe, breathe, deep breath in deep breath out that we have in fight or flight, allowing that to be something I actively put myself in has helped me so much in my, in my day to day. And I think that's for me, why I keep doing them is because that's, that's really for me, like what so much of, of life can be is we're, we're so reactive to things every single day. We react, we respond um, in aggressively or inappropriately, or our body just like, it feels so triggered and we don't know what to do with that sometimes. So that's what cold showers have done for me is they've taught me how to do that. And they've basically, I don't, I don't want to say stopped fight or flight still shows up for sure. Um, it doesn't mitigate fight or flight altogether. It's your nervous system. It's never going away, but it's allowed my nervous system to, to calm down a lot of the times and the rest of the day, the little nuances, like maybe stubbing my toe or um, someone canceling or whatever, all these things feel less impactful because I started my day with this fight or flight. So everything else feels smoother. So for me, I, I will always suggest cold showers, but as you can hear, I'm very passionate about them. Uh, and I, I, I can, I can dial in on a lot of like what I believe them to be and why they're so important. Uh, I've done so much research into them, which is why I think I've created an identity around it is because I've spent so much time. Like, what's the purpose? Why are they here? What's the, like, what's the value and more value is that they do wake you up. They do make you feel better in that, in that context. Uh, and they always provide more energy in the morning and for the rest of the day. So there's multiple benefits. And for me, they're free. Like you just, you just turn the water to cold. I mean, you pay for water sometimes for sure. So maybe not free, um, but they're, they're just an easy way. Last thing, I just recently came across this um, piece of knowledge. Uh, this guy was telling men specifically to stop taking hot showers. I was like, what the hell? What? Is this guy crazy? We're all going to continue to take cold sh- hot showers. And he said that his basis of his theory is um, coming from our primal times where we didn't have access to hot water. So we just took a shower. We took, a, or sorry, we took baths and rivers. And we, this, so primarily, we're not like necessarily geared towards having this access to really, really hot water all the time. 
At the same time, what he said was that, and I don't know this factually or scientifically, but it was just like, oh, more, more information I can look into that hot showers reduce our sperm count. And I was like, whoa, that is a wild fact to be just throwing out there. But then I remembered more about how um, men shouldn't have their heat seater on because it does the same thing. It's this, it's this heat on, on our balls, really, on our area. And it um, does the opposite. It doesn't reinforce like positive sperm count. So I was like, oh, this is so fascinating. Now I'm not here to say like, stop doing this stuff. It's just interesting information to now gear myself towards, oh, like these cold showers are more purposeful than I thought. Like maybe they're actually making, well, this is gonna sound weird, but maybe they're making me more fertile, you know? <laughs> they're ensuring that I stay fertile. Um, but anyways, I could go on cold showers for an entire episode. So I'm gonna stop there. Um, that's my biggest habit and routine that I will, I think, suggest for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's no, that's unreal. And that's what so much more context too to, you know, some of the benefits of cold showers. I think that there's people who try them, they get out and they don't really realize some of the stuff that you're saying there, you know, like that, the nuances of being able to control that fight or flight, you know, and that the calmness that you have in that decision. Um, but you don't realize that it was, it was about, it was a shower that you took at 8am that, that was able to make you calm in that decision, you know, or, you know, you might just be thinking, Oh, I, you know, I was pretty calm today, like during that, that, that moment, but it's because you really, really searched for discomfort at 9am at 10am or 8am, whenever you took that shower. And so now when you're caught in another uncomfortable situation, your body was like, Oh yeah, we already did this. So, you know, we just look for the solution or we're mm -hmm. a bit more um, intentional with the way we move through that decision-making process. So uh, I think sometimes with these habits and what we don't realize is that um, they take, you don't, unless you're conscious about, you know, how it might be serving you, you might miss it altogether. You know, you might just absolutely miss it altogether, which means that you, you stop wanting to prioritize it as a habit that you continue to do because totally. you're not, you're not realizing where it's showing up or how it's showing up or how it's serving you outside yeah. of that. It made me do my bed immediately after. And the first three tasks of the day were easier, but you don't know that like actually that last task of the day that you had today with that really difficult situation, it was actually serving you there too. Mm -hmm. You just, you just, it, it was just so far removed that you, you didn't put them together, you know? Always. Yeah. And you don't want to build resentment towards anything, right? Like that's what you were saying earlier about sometimes you don't want to do them every single day and you want to find some sort of balance or um, you don't want to build resentment towards them. And how, you know, I think you're building resentment towards them is when you do stop. And then all of a sudden you're stressed and you're anxious and you're feeling pissed at yourself and you're pissed at the habit and you start to like lose it. It's just like, oh, I, I'm almost addicted to this, this pattern now. I'm addicted to this routine. Um, and then you build resentment towards it and then you don't go back to it because you have resent. No, it's, it's like a, nah, like I hate that thing. I hate cold showers or I hate working out because of this one experience that you had. Um, again, it's just staying open. And sometimes it's harder to, to stop a habit than it is to start a new one. kind of going back to the I guess the warmth that you were talking about there's 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 a lot to be said about your body being warm and warm being comfortable and safe and making it harder to do anything like 100% one of the biggest challenges of getting up at 5 a.m is being in warm covers like mm -hmm. that five that three minutes of trying to like now if my room was cold I probably would get up faster because you know your body is like let's get out of here like let's get let's get up let's go like this it's just a cold place um i'm not feeling warm but like you know there's a lot to be said between warm the words warm and comfortable 
and cold and discomfortable and which one of those would lead to productivity more you know i'll, mm -hmm. I'll let you guys kind of just decide on your own you know think about all the times you've been comfortable and warm and all the times that you've been you know discomfortable and cold and which one of them leads to you wanting to do something about it you know leave get up go find another space or get through something um you know, often I find that, you know, even when our, our, your house is warmed up to too much of a warmer temperature and it just feels like a, it's so warm in the house, mm -hmm. uh, you're just like, oh, I want to find the couch. I want to chill. I want to hang out versus being in a room that's slightly, it's, it's, it's like, it's slightly cold. You know, you maybe need your own body heat to kind of keep you warm. There's a little bit of an alertness that comes with that level of feeling. Like I'll be working and I'll be way more alert because I'm a bit cold, you know, and then you have your hot tea, you're drinking and whatever. <laughs> versus just being fully warm uh the three feelings that you know I, I find guarantee guarantee laziness for me are comfortable full and warm if i'm if i'm any of those three things i'm leaning toward not doing something productive and that's a fact you know mm. if i'm in any of those three places and i think that's why i i've i've really gone i really like the idea of being uncomfortable more times than not because i know that being uncomfortable makes me do more things in life mm -hmm. you know and um that feeling i know that isn't comfortable for people you know i know that that <laughs> feeling is, yeah. <laughs> is just like uh, it, it's a rare kind of i guess it's a rare breed it's a rare like habit but i think we all can seek a bit more discomfort you know um, maybe not in toronto but like for example if you have a you know alternative between the stairs or an elevator or you know just picking that that route that has a little bit more, just a little bit more uncomfortable, that trains your brain into just like when more uncomfortable things shows up, you show up with the idea of like, let's do it versus the, nah, it doesn't align, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and with so, life in general, like life's going to throw uncomfortable moments at you. It's going to, it's going to force you into discomfort as often as it can. And how powerful would it be if you knew that you were actively throwing yourself already your own, your, your own mind, you are putting yourself into uncomfortable positions. So when life throws the, the weird moments, the left turns, the right turns, the discomfort at you, you're like, I do this on the daily. Like I constantly do this. I, I so then I'm, then it's like when those things, those moments come, it's just, I don't want to say it's simple, but it's simple. It's like, oh, uh, this is uncomfortable. Got it. Oh, that's uncomfortable. Got it. And that's what I think is, is life is constantly changing. And so why don't you just constantly change it yourself? If it's already going to do so, why don't you do it for you from you rather than waiting for it to happen to you? Right. It's that's where I think the idea of being um, comfortable with discomfort is, is as if saying, okay, when this uncomfortable moment hits my life, I need to be comfortable with it. When this uncomfortable moment hits, I need to be comfortable with it. And that's so reactive. It's just waiting for life to punch you in the face. Mm -hmm. And life will still punch you in the face. But if you're already punching back, like how, how empowering is that? You're not waiting. You're not just like nonchalant getting knocked out. And that's what I think is such a huge component of this. Like you were saying is like um, actively putting yourself in those situations. And that's why cold showers help so much and like fasting shows up so often like fasting is such a great way to train your nervous system it's the same thing it's putting yourself in an uncomfortable position to then know that you can handle it so then the next one comes along and you don't even notice that you're handling it. it's just happening because mm -hmm. you've already done this so many times you've practiced the uncomfortability of it all cutting out coffee right 
too many people have the identity of like, I only can do this job because I drink coffee, cut it out, see what happens, deal mm-hmm. with that, deal with that feeling. Like, you know, I think that there's so many, there's so many ways to, for me, habits are, there's so many ways that you can instill a habit into your life that basically challenges your nervous system to respond in a different way than what it's used to responding. And mm-hmm. it's really the exercise of that, that you, you learn who you are as a character. You learn that, you know, you're in control, that you're, this is not, you're not a, you know, you're a product of your environment. You know, your environment is a product of you um, that, you know, when you kind of pull things out and put things back in and, and you play with that song and dance a little bit, you, you get to really understand one, what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. And two, that, you know, you are able to take things out and try things and do things differently. Right. I've always said like, I hate dependency. Like that's one of the things that I, I don't like, you know, I don't want to be dependent on anything, you mm-hmm. know, cause God, you know, God forbid something gets taken out of my life. I don't want to ever be so caught up in that being who I am that I can't bounce back or deal with it in a different fashion, you know? So, you know, place me anywhere on this world and I will figure it out. I will try, I will survive and use whatever resources are around me to, to, to then be like, oh, well, this is my new identity now. I do this and I do this and I do this and I used to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when you seek for comfort all the time, you're 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 kind of putting yourself in a in a situation where um, you you're you're a little bit more susceptible and more vulnerable to being rocked, um, like you said, and being being off balance. And from experience, sometimes it takes a really long time to get back on balance when you've been knocked off balance, um, you know. And so especially when you, you know, you're like, Oh, things were going so well for me. Things that was, everything was perfect. Everything was good. Like I was comfortable. I was comfortable. And then you, you know, you feel, you feel a little bit of adversity and then you like, you know, you never find that comfort ever again, you know? Um, so that's the one thing that I like about, I think I'll add two more habits here that, you know, I've taken on in the last couple, read my mind, couple months, couple of years. Um, one more so closer to the last couple of months um, is this morning walk. So I've instilled the morning walk into, into, into my routine. This is something that I do pray to you um, religiously is, is wake up. It's to help me kind of with the 5am club too. You know, sometimes I wake up at six, sometimes I wake up at five, sometimes it's seven. It really all depends. Um, sometimes with my work, I work like all the way until like midnight and then it takes me a longer time to go to sleep and then it makes me worse. Um, so I'll just get the extra sleep in. But when I'm, when I'm on my game and ideally I'm working up at like, you know, between five and six. And the first thing that I do is I just grab my water bottle, um, fill it up, put on my shoes no electronics, no nothing. And I go for a walk and it's, and during the walk is when my body actually wakes up. It like recognizes that we're awake now. And, you know, I start kind of thinking about, and it's kind of in its own way has been meditation because I just let my mind do what it needs to do. And I I can see where I'm stressed out, you know, like on this walk, my, I, I can feel where my mind is like, very, very like overwhelmed, like, oh, we have to do this thing. We've got to do this. It's got to get done. This has got to get done. And in my, during this walk, I kind of figure out and map out my day a little bit of like, okay, cool. So first thing I'm going to do when I, you know, get settled, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Um, and during this walk, I kind of figure out how I'm going to go about the day, how I'm going to organize a day while hydrating, right? The water, the only reason why I bring my water bottle is I'm like, I'm trying to get water into my system as quick as possible. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get water mm-hmm. in. And so in this walk, not only is it like easing my mind, but I'm already starting the, 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 the nutritious process of getting water in, drinking the water, um, 
And then I come back home and I immediately just start making my day and I start going, going through the process of my day, you know, and then, uh, but that morning walk has been the no phone is the point I'm making here. I'm telling you guys, starting your phone, like looking at your phone first thing is the most triggering experience of all time. And it can be anything like I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing fantasy basketball. It could be, you find out that you're down six, three in fantasy basketball it has nothing to do with my life success or not success, but it just going to trigger me the wrong way. I'm just going to piss me off for no reason. An email that you get from the night before uh, a text message, a, this, a, that it is like literally signing up for like the emerge. Like it's mm-hmm. just a phone that's full of preach like so many random thoughts, facts, information that it's just, I do not need that at 5 a.m. I just woke up. Let me start this day how I want to start the day, you know? And that that really, really involves getting the phone away from your bed. Like I have my, my phone in my room still. It charges on my desk, but it's not on my bed. So like, you know, my, my watch wakes me up. So I turn off the alarm on my watch, my phone. I don't actually get to see the emails or anything that's coming in. I just put on my shoes, grab my jacket, grab my water bottle, head out the door. And I typically don't even look at the phone until I'm done, like my whole morning routine. When I come back from my walk, um, I know I'm going to be sitting in a chair for, that's another thing. Like if you're a person who works in an office, right? If you have any kind of, if you, if you, if you want your body to last, right, it's like your body's going to be stuck in whatever you put it in for a long time. Right? So if you wake up and go straight to that office desk, However you were sleeping, however you were, do, what you're doing with your body when it was asleep, some areas are going to be tighter than others. Everything, some areas are going to be stiffer than others. You're going to bring that structure into the chair and you're just going to sit in that chair for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So for me, I need to loosen up whatever structure I was sleeping in and make sure that my, my chair, my, my body is malleable by the time I get into this chair because I'm going to be sitting in this chair for a long time. That's a priority of mine, right? So I'm going to make sure I try to like stretch and open up the body and be like, Hey, listen, I know you're about to be sitting for a long time. So how can I warm up this process? And then only after that, will I, I look at my phone, but man, do I, can I encourage more people to, especially if, you know, the mental health topics that we're talking about all the time, like our phones are so dangerous, like they're so dangerous to us and we don't really realize how dangerous they are, but they are. And especially first thing in the morning, let yourself think about what you want to think about first before you have other people think for you. And it's just, it's, it could be doing you so much more harm than you even realize, you know? What it, and it is, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in on that right now because that was one of the ones I was going to share today is the exact same thing. And I'm going to take it even further for me and my own personal experiences. I just don't have my phone in my bedroom anymore. It's just a no zone. There is no phone in the bedroom. It is charged in the living room. It is away from me. I don't wake up next to it. I don't go to sleep with it. Like there is no phone in that space. And it's so fascinating, like you said, to be like, holy shit. When I used to wake up on that phone, I could actually sometimes scroll for an hour, first and foremost. That's already like a a no-no. But at the same time, it is how fast you, you just walk into a reactive space. You have no idea what you're walking into. You have no idea. You're not ready. Your mind is not working. Your body is not working. And you're basically saying, okay, no worries. I'm going to walk into a room of a thousand people. As soon as I wake up, I remember, I remember realizing this the other day, your phone is literally like saying to everyone in the streets in the morning, why don't you come into my room and present to me what you have, how you're feeling, 
what you're doing, the new trick you have, the new diet you are starting, the morning routine you are, or have already, whatever, like what you did last night. It's basically saying, come in and tell your story and then leave. Over no regard to how I feel about myself today either. Exactly. Like, you know? it's, it's, it will always blow my mind. And so um, th- this isn't to say that that was easy. I don't know what your journey was like that, but I remember when I first put my phone out of my room, I had a panic attack. I freaked out. I put my phone in the kitchen last, uh, about a year and a half ago, I put my phone in the kitchen and I went to bed and I could not sleep, could not sleep. I was freaking out. I thought someone was going to call me. I thought that there was someone that was going to die. Like all of these hypotheticals that uh, I think we create sometimes with phones. And so I got up, I got out of my bed and I, and I went into the kitchen and I checked my phone and I, and then I went back to bed and I'm like, what are you doing? But the resistance didn't go away. It was tumultuous and it felt tense filled for like probably two or three nights where it was just like, holy, like, this is hard. And that in and itself was like, holy shit. There's your addiction right there. There's your addiction to the phone. And it's plain and obvious and it's in your face. And for everybody listening, you're going to think you're thinking, oh, I'm not addicted to my phone. And this is what I'm saying. Put it in the other room tonight. Don't, don't put it on the count or on the, on the dresser. Don't put it anywhere in the room, take it out, put it somewhere else. And then notice how you feel. I guarantee you the majority of you will start to feel tense and start to feel stressed and start to want to like, you'll worry. It'll basically be a thought and you won't be able to fully sleep. And that right there is telling you that you're too dependent on it. It's too much of your space. It's too much of your life. Separate, 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 separate. As soon as that tension is there, separate and see how you feel, separate and see how you feel because it's so crucial. And this is, I think for us, what we realize is this is so beneficial to our mental health. Like this isn't like, oh, like a disconnect from the world or disconnect from social media. F all of that doesn't matter. It's about mental health. We, you and I both know now that waking up without that thing drastically changes how we feel about ourselves and about our life drastically. So that's why it's such a push. It's like, push it, move it. And I'll, I'll add another layer to it. Go to YouTube and watch the, the documentary. It's free called Resonance Beings of Frequency. Reson- I'll put it in the show notes. Resident, resonance Beings of Frequency. That's all I'm going to say. Go watch it. See how you feel after. And maybe you won't have that phone in that room. A little passionate, a little passion there. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, if, if we're going to really speak to mental health <laughs> and things like that, I think it's huge, man. It's huge. Like, I mean, I've, I've been off social media. I have a very, you know, love-hate relationship with social media and for, you know, various reasons. But, you know, some of them is just like, when you're on social media, what you don't really realize, especially when you're on social media all the way until you go to bed and then boom, you wake up and right back on it. So essentially we're only dealing with our own shit when we're sleeping. So when we're not conscious, <laughs> like, is that what we're saying here? Like we have no room to deal with like who you are as a person. And it's like, you just can't get, you can't move the needle far enough in your own life. If you're consumed, like you need to, con- you need to consume and create at the same time in life. And when you're addicted to social media, you are in massive consumption mode. You are not really creating very much on your own. And you're in imitation mode too. Like you're very, 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 like you're not willing, not, not that you're not willing, you're not able to have enough time with yourself to actually realize if you like this thing, yes or no, mm-hmm. like, or is, are you just doing it because social media is doing it? You know what I mean? And it's, it's um, I think in a lot of ways, a lot of kids, a lot of the younger generation who's only grown up on social media, for example, 
in a lot of ways, they feel socially connected because they don't ever have to go through this weird, like identity crisis thing. Right. Cause they're like, Oh, there's so many people that like, you know, feel like me do the things that I do. And as long as I, um, you know, act a certain way, you know, whatever the social media trend that you're following, whatever. So I feel like there's actually a lot more people who feel less lonely quote unquote today than there is before. Right. Mm, Cause fair. I think that there is people online that can give you the comfort of feeling like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, I, there's this community online that I'm a part of and whatever, yada, yada, yada. I think the actual challenges is that how many people are being authentically themselves? Where's the originality nowadays? Mm-hmm. Right. What's your own thought process? No one is being challenged with the idea of sitting down alone and being with yourself and just thinking like, just think, sit down in a quiet space and just think. And the reason why, you know, that panic attack that you were talking about too, is I can relate to that is, is the idea that like, when you put your phone in the next room and then you show up to, um, you go into the bedroom and you go to sleep, there's that weird period of time where you're still awake and you're not asleep. And you're like, what do I feel this time with? Same thing happens. It happened to me the other day at a restaurant. I don't have social media on my phone. Right. So what do you think happens when I don't my guest doesn't show up for 15, 20 minutes. I just got to figure it out because mm-hmm. there's no, I have nothing to just like go on to. Right. So I just sit there and it's weird and it's uncomfortable. And it's, and, and, and that's the feeling that is giving you guys the panic attack is this idea that you can't sit there alone by yourself with no connectivity to anything and just be, you know, mm-hmm. and that is the real skill set is when you can just sit there and be and look around, take in the decor, take mm-hmm. in the people that are in the room, take in, you know, the, there's energy all around us all the time. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, what I notice is that you guys are never, you know, these are, these are the small things that, you know, when Kyle makes an association between the cold shower and, you know, his nervous system is fight or flight, like later on in the evening, it's the same thing with like, you know, when I'm sitting in that restaurant and I have to figure it out, you know, be like, okay, cool. You know, maybe sometimes I'll go on a different kind of app and then I'll realize that like, you know, these apps aren't as addicting as social media. So you can actually get the information you need and get out right away. There's not, you you can't be there for hours. So I'll go through those apps, you know, maybe check my fantasy basketball players and see who's playing that night and whatever, and then close it off. Once I'm done my little like four or five minutes of like attempting to like escape and I realize I can't, I come back to the reality of the room and I look around and I take in the decor and I start like, you know, asking myself questions about the restaurant. I start dealing with like more of like, okay, what would I eat if I was here? The server comes by, I start, you know, talking to them, engaging in them. Hey, I'm just waiting for my friend for what would you recommend that I eat? I start taking in my surroundings a little bit more. Um, And then when my guest shows up, here's the craziest thing. How distracted do you think I am with my guests and how hard do you think it is for me to listen to my guest? It's not hard at all because I wasn't distracted to begin with. So my ability to listen to someone who's talking to me or like be engaged in the conversation and not be like, I want to be grabbing something else or be somewhere else. Like I'm able to just be, I've I've been present taking in this restaurant for the last 20 minutes waiting for you. And now you're here. And so I can just be all that energy I was using to figure out what was going on in the restaurant. I'm just now channeling it in with my guests and talking to them and engage with them, not feeling the need to have to reach to my phone, not being in two places at once, you know, and I feel like you just can, can not only live a, a bit more of a, a richer life if you're you know willing to kind of accept some of the awkwardness that comes with dis- distancing yourself from your phone um 
but you get back in control of your, those thoughts. You get back in control of the ability to be less distracted. There's more and more people these days who are, who believe they have ADHD um, or they believe they have like, you know, attention, their, their attention spans are so short, blah, 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 blah. But no one's really pointing at the real elephant in the room. It's like, do you have ADHD or do you, have you just been so distracted by what this digital world is offering us that we're all just a bit too all over the place with our thoughts? Cause you're trying to have a conversation, but you're, you just got like, you just saw a notification on your phone that's triggering you to do something else. And, and there's so many emotions going on in your body. You're like, Oh, I can't focus on one thing at once. And it's because you're not, you're not willing to kind of separate yourself from, mm-hmm. you know, certain distractions and start a day with a bit more poise and more calmness and pick and choose which notifications you're going to actually react to and not react to and um, sit in a place quietly with yourself and your own thoughts. And um, I think that, you know, I think what we're scared of is what we might discover in that silence. Um Absolutely. So well said. And that was what I was going to finish with is uh, something that I had to start telling myself is stop running from yourself. Just you got to stop running from yourself because you're running into a life that's not yours. Stop running from yourself. And that's one of the biggest things is all of these things, all these habits and stuff is like, it's, it, it's doing the opposite. And that's why I think this episode is so powerful as a creating habits and new routines and things. It's saying I have the power this is my life and I choose how I want to live it. And I will implement these things to do so rather than allowing something like our phone to control who we are and who we wish to be. And, um, you know, building habits and routines for, for me is uh, uh, character building. It's not about necessarily life building. It's character building. If I can build my character, then I can build the life. But if I don't build the character, then I don't build the life or I build a life that's no, no, groundwork has been done. No foundation has been built. It's just, oh, I consistently take cold showers. It's like, okay, who are you though? Oh, I'm someone who takes cold showers. Well, it doesn't make any sense. It has to be character character development. And that's what this phone thing does is it allows you to start to see yourself in who you are and your character and who you have been. And maybe if you don't like that, you make something different, but you have to be able to face that. You can't keep running from it. It will show up. It will, it will haunt you for the rest of your life. But with habits and routines, we could talk about it forever. You said you had two habits. What was the last habit that you wanted to do? It was, it was no phone or was the no phone the second one? Walking and then no phone? Oh, no. Walking was, uh, I guess, one of the habits I kind of instilled the last couple of months. I, the second one I was going to share is uh, the accountability group that ah. kind of organically created. Um, that's been really, really powerful for me. It's been very serving. Um it's this idea, like to me, it's kind of a smaller social media space. It's like, you know, I think on social media, we try to show off to thousands of people sometimes, and we're trying to get attention that, you know, we, we kind of fake it too. But I notice sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, there's people who might go into the gym, take the picture, don't do the workout, leave. Um, you know, so I think that there's just like this, uh, there's an expectation with social media to try to like live up to something that is maybe not true. And I think that with the accountability group that I have, it's like, there's no need for me to lie to these people there's literally no need for me to be someone that I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. in this accountability group, it's like, if, if you don't work out, excuse me, if you don't work out for two days, you just tell the group, Hey, I've not worked out for two days. Um, I'm going to get back on it today. And the, the, the whole point of the group is just to be like, admit what you're actually doing and admit what you're not mm-hmm. doing, you know? And when you actually get on a bit of a, a run and you, you know, th- there's this cheerleading, you know, that happens. That's like, 
awesome. You know, like there's a support that you just feel that you're like, oh, now I want to do the day six or day seven or day eight or day nine. Uh, you get the encouragement versus, you know, the sometimes the 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 fake encouragement that we might be seeking in other areas like social media and things like that. So um, if you have two or three friends and that, you know, you're doing a similar thing or you guys are both, you know, or you guys are trying to cook food and you're trying to like share diets and you're trying to share like what's working for you and routines and regimens. What I also love is that like my program has nothing to do with their program. It's just the fact that they have a program that they're trying to get good at. I have a program that I'm trying to get good at and I'm just sharing the results of mine and they're sharing the results of theirs. It's not like the, we're doing the exact same exercises. It's just the fact that we have a routine that we're trying to be held accountable for. Um, and so that's been really, really cool too. I've really enjoyed that. And I'm in two, two different accountability groups. Um, mm. one of them with a, a smaller group of people. Um, and it's more so like everything, uh, mm -hmm. reading the gym, work goals, accomplishments. Um, and then another one is just strictly more on the fitness side of things where we share like diets and all of that kind of stuff and different like apps that we might be using. And, mm. um, and, and so, and that one's been a little bit more fitness oriented, but having those two groups is because when you don't have that motivation, seeing those texts come in of like, Hey, just did my day. Hey, just finished my, you know, you know, paid my debts, did that, that little bit of encouragement to be like, all right, well, I want to be part of the, I want to add my text in there too. Um, and then you go and you do the thing. Um, so not always depending on yourself for motivation is what I've gotten out of the accountability group is just having some people that can, you know, when you're not on your best day, they can kind of motivate you and people to kind of share your results with too. It's, it's sometimes in life when you don't get that pat in the back or you're not feeling like there's, if you're like a single guy, for example, single guy grinding it out, doing the work thing, doing the gym thing, doing all that thing. And there's just nobody around to really be like, Hey, you know, mm -hmm. notice this or notice that it could just be a little bit more challenging. It can make you want to give up a little bit and be like, why is what, what's this for? Uh, and then make you s seek out other things that, you know, uh, are short term They mm -hmm. short, in a very short term, feel like they make you feel important. Um, but really all you wanted was someone to just be like, Hey man, you're on, you're on the right path. Keep going. You know? And that would have allowed you to not maybe go do that thing that, you know, is very like superficial or whatever the case may be. Um, so yeah, that accountability group has been huge. Really enjoyed that. Amazing. I love that. Absolutely. I think it's so crucial to find people um, because I think that there's this idea that we do things alone and you never know actually do it alone. You just like the idea of thinking you do it alone. And so you might as well just embrace the fact that it's not actually happening and use the people in your circle. Um, one last thing that I'll share as, as a habit, and I'm not going to give too much context because I think it's some people can take it into the space of like seeking specific results. Um, a big habit that I try to enforce as often as possible is just breath work, focusing on my breath, finding different ways of practicing breath work. So uh, I want to encourage or invite anyone, if you haven't tried it or you have some weird like, like what, why would I focus on my breath? Just Google it um, or YouTube it, YouTube like a breath work session and just try it out. And I'm not going to give any context as to how it's made me feel or what you can expect or the, like the extremities of how far it's gone for me because it has done wonders for my life and still continues to. Um, I think I don't want to add in this identity around it that walks like a lot of people walk into meditation and say, okay, it's going to fix my life. Okay. I'm going to feel peace. Okay. Why don't I feel like all of my thoughts are gone because this narrative was given that that exists. So I don't want to give that for breath work. Um, I'm just going to say, try it and see how, it, how you notice you feel. Um, and just, just be open to something that could come, um, whatever it happens to be. Um, 
but to kind of wrap up the conversation, I think habits and routines are an endless conversation. And we could even have you know, specific conversations in the future about a specific routine that we both have passion for or um, want to continue to dive into. But what would be your like biggest golden nugget to give all the peeps in regards to your journey with habits and routines and creating um, whether the hard parts in the middle or beginning or the, the, the changing them up again, like what would you, what would you suggest or what would you give them as like a, I guess a piece of advice maybe. This has probably been uh, the part that I've been waiting for the most. Cause I think that, you know, we could talk about, like you said, intermittent fasting, cold showers, meditation, breath work. Um, you know, those are, those are, those are nice and dandy. Those are great habits, whether you instill them or don't, but how you think about the habit is really the most important part. You know, and that's that's really what has has enabled me to actually take on a habit, get through it, understand it is this idea of how to think about it. And what I mean by that is. One, understanding that anytime you, you know, you take on something new in your life there, the growing pains of it is is, is very, very difficult and like you're going to give up like you're going to want to give up at least, you know, um, you have to break down an old pattern to build a new one up. Right. So really the first beginning of instilling a habit is breaking down the old patterns that you used to have, which is, you know, mentally exhausting and tiring sometimes. Right. And then in the middle part of it is like, Oh, you're doing your new habit, but you're doing it like sometimes good, sometimes bad. Sometimes it's very inconsistent. You don't feel great about it. You know, like you're in the gym and you know, you're, you didn't get the greatest pump or you didn't get the greatest, but you went to the gym, you know, you've instilled that habit, you went there. And then, you know, the last habit, the last kind of portion of it is, you know, when it actually installs and you start doing it well and you start doing it good. And now you have to like, just keep it up, you know? And so understanding that just like, I, I am going to want to quit at the beginning, uh, you know, and thinking about it and not blaming the habit itself, but just like being like, this is how it goes. This is how it normally is. Um, so really think about it from that perspective. I think it's the 66 day thing is awesome. You know, I think in, um, in Robert Sharma's book here, 5am club, he does it. He does it really well. Yeah. First stage destruction, second stage installation, and then third stage integration, mm. 66 days minimum. So the first 22 days is destruction First, second 22 days is installation. And then the third 22 days is integration. Um, and so when you think about a habit like that, it makes you go, okay, great. Now, when you add that with the idea that, okay, if that's what one habit is going through, you should probably not sign up for four in a row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're a human being, your willpower to, you know, be like, okay, it's okay. I can, I know that this one sucks. It's okay. This one will also like, you're just going to give up on all of them. You know, like you're just going to quit all of them. So install habits one at a time. Um, pair habits. I think Atomic, I mean, my, my boy, James Clear there talks about habit stacking, which I love. Yeah. Um, you know, take a habit that you already do. I did this with, uh, my faith. I used to talk to my little sisters and stuff and they, she'd be like, she had like a, you know, a four step skincare routine at nighttime. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is ridiculous. No way I'm doing a four step skincare routine. <laughs> um, and it was just like the idea of just like, well, you already brush your teeth at nighttime. So let's just like, let's pair these two together. You know, mm-hmm. let's pair your, your, your brushing your teeth in this, um, and uh, when I can, when you pair them together, you notice that like in the beginning, it feels like a four step routine. And then next thing you know, it's like just a part of your life. And I was like, damn, I never thought I could do a four, four step skincare routine and it would just feel normal. But it was just the beginning. My brain couldn't process it, but I paired it up with brushing my teeth in the morning and or at nighttime. 
And uh, it, it, it seemed to have triggered me in the, in the right way where it's like, okay, cool. I do the facial routine. Then I brush my teeth. Those mm-hmm. two, I, I do them together. So um, that's a, a very powerful way of kind of getting into the habit of things too. So that, those, are, those would be kind of my biggest takeaways with starting a habit. Um, I always think it's how you think about it and um, know that it's going to be uncomfortable at first. And that's just, that's for everybody. It's like, you're not, you're not, it's not a unique experience for you where mm-hmm. nobody is good at it um, <laughs> at first, at least. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and what, about, what about you? Um, it's funny. You just said all of that. And it reminded me of my very first post ever. When I got on this journey of being a coach, very first thing I ever shared was mindset is everything. And I know that like that's getting drowned out now, but it's exactly what you just said is the, your mind set towards whatever you're doing is always going to be the determining factor and whether it continues or not. Uh, but that's not my final piece. Uh, I think for me, habits and routines will always be a part of my life. They will always be a addition as what I'm going to call it, an addition to the life I'm already living, not the basis or the foundation of the life that I'm living. And what I mean by that is cold showers are great. Not having my phone in there is great. Breathwork is great. Fasting is always great. Uh, But where I find the most value in is recognizing um, my unconscious patterns that I'm putting out there every single day as a character trait, as a human, and resolving those. Those are always going to be where I find the the hardest work is done in the work of habits, routines, and, and behavioral patterns is really what we're talking about. And a lot of us have behavioral patterns, whether it's during conflict or whether it's uh, triggered or we're reactive to something or something bothers us or pisses us off. Someone cuts us off while we're driving. Someone gets in that parking spot. We try to get all of these things. Like for me, that is where I focus so much of my time is to navigate how I'm feeling in those moments and why I'm feeling that way in those moments and to choose a different pattern, a behavioral pattern then. And that is where, like, if I were to say that a habit and routine is the most important is make a ha- make it a habit and routine of shifting a pattern that you have in your life each and every day. And you can still do cold showers. I still do. You can still not do no phone. I will always do that now. Um, but when I journal in the morning, the question that I, I get asked by myself is today I will focus on shifting my pattern of blank to blank. So shifting my pattern of um, procrastination to productivity would be one that I could write or shifting my pattern of um, being silent in the face of conflict to speaking my, speaking my truth or speaking my thoughts, like those kinds of things. There's just, for me that, that does so much more for my life and my feelings towards life and my freedom than any habit has ever done. Um, and so that's where I would say is, is my biggest piece of advice is in, integrate these things. Because what I notice is that I can ask myself that question. However, what cold showers give me and breath work gives me and no phone in the bedroom gives me is more power to do those things. If it's, it's, it's a lot of times it's sometimes it's fuel to that fire that allows me to um, approach them in a more powerful way than without, but they're not a reliance because I can still do it. They're just, uh, that's the word I want. They're optimizers. 
just this is just optimizing my ability to navigate the other things that I would like to do that are harder, that require more fuel, that require more more of me to show up um, in those those spaces. So that would be my biggest takeaway. Yeah, I really like that shifting. That shifting component there is uh is 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 there's a lot there if you think about it. It's um because one you got to recognize a pattern that you have, and then two you got to shift it. You know. Mm-hmm. And when you're able to recognize something about yourself and shift it, you're really able to take on new habits because that is really the fundamental understanding of a habit is I do this this way. I want to do it better. Um, and so recognizing and then shifting and then believing that you can make the shift. Um, that's really what it's all about. So uh, that might be a very, very good way to get even started on habits. If you've been failing habits, let's not take on a habit, just take on a, uh, an understanding of kind of a pattern that you have in your own mind and go, let me just shift the pattern. I always say this to this mood check. I always say the word good when mm-hmm. uh, someone asks me about how I'm doing. Let me, I recognize a pattern that I always say good. I'm going to shift from saying good today to actually giving a more detailed answer about how I'm feeling, which now is forcing you to have to think a little bit harder about an answer and that to me, that skill set there of discomfort is how you overcome habits and how you take on habits is just a small little, I do it this way. I want to do it this way. And then that r- uncomfortable period, if you can survive it, then it, you just end up like, you know, I don't think Kyle really even says good anymore. I think it's just something that like if someone asks you about your day, you just want to say more than just mm. good. Cause you're so conscious of, I used to say good so, so much. Um, and to help that again, like, it, you know, if you take a cold shower in the morning, it's uncomfortable. Now you walk into a situation where you are trying to shift this pattern and it's uncomfortable to share more than just good, but it feels smoother because you have a little bit more of a push this morning. You had a little bit more of like a, a preparation moment rather than walking in blind. However, it was not the cold shower that got you to do it. It was you who got you to do it. And that is why I, I always say, um, try to live in the space of the habits are just the fuel. They are not the, the end all be all as to what I do and why I do it. I can still do it. I still have the power. It doesn't take away my truth. It just allows me to approach it in a little bit more of a powerful way. It's just, it's just an optimizer. It's an optimizer for that situation. What's up everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.